This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Welcome. You may be seated. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. By the way, if you're new online or you're new here, I am the pastor of Relevant Life Church. Uh, Even though I've been gone for quite a while, uh, I'm glad to be home. I'm glad to be here. Uh, Thank my amazing team. Would you thank our communicators uh, for the last eight weeks? Trenton and Sasser and Allie and uh, Larry. There we go. I'm, I'm on vacation mind mode. Anyway, we had a great communicators, and I thank you for the team. Thank you so much. You know, I, uh, there's nothing like coming home. There's nothing like being in the sanctuary. You know, I, I am so thankful for our media team back there. Give them a round of applause. You know, Ron and I have been able to enjoy worship, enjoy sermons, and all that sort of stuff as we've been away. Uh, and, 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 they're, and they're good. They do a great job. We love it. But can I tell you, there's nothing like being in the room. Nothing like being in a room. So this is my shameless plug to you if you're online right now. If you can get to church, get your butt here. Sit in a chair. You know, get, get, get here. If you're able to be in town, uh, be here, be present. There's nothing like being in the house of God. Nothing like we can do church online and it's, and it's there. It's okay. But can I tell you, there's nothing like the presence of God in this room. There's nothing like uh, seeing people and having connection with people. Um, amen? Good word. I want to kind of give you real quickly some rundown here. Remember that worship and prayer is this, this Wednesday night, and we're excited to be able to step in and do that. Uh, one last plug for water baptisms. Today at noon is the final time to be able to sign up for those, and we're needing probably two to three more uh, to be able to do so. Um, otherwise, we're going to kind of postpone them a little bit, until a little bit later. So if you haven't been water baptized and want to, make sure you get on the church app Church app, correct? Church app today uh, by noon. Get your name on there so that we can begin to plan. I want to remind you that next week we start a brand new series called Rhythms. Everyone say Rhythms. And I believe it's a a, a God-ordained message for such a time as this. Uh, In actuality, we were supposed to start that series in the spring, and then everything happened, and our life went out of rhythm, and God is just saying, how do we get back there? So that's where we're at. But today we have a huge... Uh, amazing opportunity, two people that are part of Relevant Life Church, two people that are part of my staff. Well, one that's part of my staff, but he's part of my staff just because he tags along with her, right? Anyway, today we are thankful that Brittany and Damian Dunn are going to be here to communicate to us. Uh, Two young people, two young amazing leaders in our state, two, two leaders that are transforming Oregon culture with their lives uh, not only what I love about this opportunity is, is we're not sending, even though I believe in it, I love missions. You know how I love missions. We're not supporting a missionary to send them to another country. We're supporting a missionary to work in the state of Oregon. How many know that Oregon needs missionaries? And uh, their field, and I'm not going to steal their thunder, but their field is a necessary, very necessary place of ministry and service. So would you welcome with me Brittany and Damian Dunn? Come on. Thanks, PK. Um, Thank you, everyone, again, for the opportunity to be here. 
Um, you know, this, this really is a blessing for us. This is our church family. We get to kind of travel all over the state and speak to a bunch of different places. But like you said, this is home, you know, and there's nothing like coming home. And so thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you for buying in to Youth Alive and to our ministry. A lot of you uh, support us through prayer. A lot of you support us through your finances. And, and we just, man, we're blessed. We can't say thank you enough. Um, some of you know, even Pastor Trenton and Allie, you guys, thank you so much for taking on one of our ministry students. Those of you who know uh, Alexis White, she's been here for the last year. She's one of ours. And uh, Pastor Trenton's been pouring into her over the last year and, and helping develop her into a leader uh, for another church. So thank you, guys. You guys have been instrumental in our lives. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, I just echo that. Thank you very much for having us. We've been at this church for almost eight years, I think, in next month. And so this is really our home. This is where uh, we've grown a lot in those eight years and just kind of come into what we're doing now. Um, most of you we've had the chance to meet and kind of get to know, and some of you maybe have no idea who we are. And so we just wanted to introduce ourselves really quick and kind of tell you what we do before we get into this. Um, so I, uh, I grew up in Silverton, which isn't super far from here. And um, I like to tell people I was kind of born in the pew of an AG church because it just... I've just always been at church. Um, I was saved at a vacation Bible school at four. I was baptized at seven. Um, I was called into ministry on a mission trip. So, you know, all the church kid things that you're supposed to do, I did all of those. Um, and my, my parents were board members and worship leaders and um, eventually became youth pastors and then senior pastors. So I kind of did the whole, the whole thing. Um, and I feel very blessed to be able to, to say that. Um, and, and unfortunately, my husband came from a very different uh, background. He grew Number one, in a very dry, warm place of Pendleton in eastern Oregon. Uh, it's its own beauty. It's its own, like, world out there. But um, he, he grew up with a lot of just dysfunction in the home and um, not knowing, you know, who his dad is and just abuse of every kind and drugs and alcohol and, and, and the whole thing. And um, he was saved later on at a uh, youth convention, which actually our students get to go to in just a couple weeks, um, that exact convention when he was 14. And he was saved and called into ministry um, at a camp. And so uh, we met on a missions trip in Mexico, which is a little bit cliche, but it's fine. And then uh, we reconnected at Bible College, which is also cliche, but it's fine. And um, it was kind of funny because I'd always told God, I am not going to be a youth pastor. Like, I'll do whatever you want, just not youth pastor. And I thought, oh, I'm going to Africa as a missionary. And he'd always told God, I am not going to Africa because I have lived in a place that gets to 115 degrees in the summer. I ain't doing it again. And we were like, we met, we're like, we feel like we're supposed to get married anyways. And we don't really know why, but God has blessed it. And we've been married for almost 11 years now. We were kind of babies when we got married. I always told my siblings, no, you will not do this. Um, but it's worked out. It's been wonderful. So now we do ministry together. We've, we've been able to be both youth pastor and go to Africa together. So it all worked out. Um, but we love board games. We love disc golf. We've got a few people into disc golf with us. Zach and Bethany Shelton. Trenton is our uh, newest victim to uh, go out with us and get involved in the sport. Um, Damien loves ice cream probably more than me. Uh, we have, <laughs> it's, it's a toss up guys, uh, but we have four nieces that we love very much. They much prefer Damien and I will get over it someday. Like, That's right. It's fine. It's, it's okay. Um, and we love sports. I actually coach basketball at McNary High School in Kaiser, uh, girls basketball over there. And Marty always gives me a hard time because if the Steelers are playing on Sunday morning, then I'm in the early service so I can go home and watch the Steelers play. But Marty Pilgrim, I want you to know that the Steelers play in a half an hour and I am here. 
So, I want you to know I am sacrificing today. So, there you go. So, Brittany gave a little bit of our history of ministry, but uh, just to kind of recap, yes, we were youth pastors for a few years in Lyons. How many of you know where Lyons is? You know, out on the way to Detroit, we youth pastored for a short time in Lebanon. Um, That's kind of what we did for the first few years of our marriage. And then, like she said, about eight years ago, the Lord kind of moved us here through a strange series of circumstances. And honestly, RLC kind of became, uh, it became a home. It became a place of healing. Uh, A lot of you know that this is a wonderful place to heal. This is a wonderful place where where the people genuinely love you, are actually like excited to see you. Um, And and, and this became a a place of renewal for us. This became a place where Pastor Kevin gave us ministry opportunity. Uh, We've been involved in, you know, the hospitality ministry, young adults ministry. Brittany runs the church's social media account. Uh, She works in the office a couple days a week doing a bunch of behind the scenes things. So that's a lot of the stuff that that we do kind of on the side. But we want to share with you guys what our like, current ministry is, like what, what our heart is, like the thing that God has called us to. So we are Oregon Youth Alive Missionary Associates. <sighs> that's, that's, that's a lot. Uh, basically, for the last five years we've been doing this, we've been serving alongside U.S. missionary Tom Bachman, and we are missionaries to, as Pastor Kevin said, uh, the state of Oregon. Specifically, under the umbrella of the ministry Youth Alive, we are missionaries to the 900,000 teenagers and, and children in our state. That, that is our mission field. Uh, we exist to, to reach them. We also exist to equip youth pastors, kids pastors, and students to reach their friends, to, to make a difference in their community and at their school. Uh, we also have the opportunity to, like I said, kind of travel around and speak at churches. Uh, we do trainings. We do sometimes help them plan different events. So there's a bunch of different things that we do uh, under the Youth Alive umbrella, but we're going to talk specifically about what our kind of lead role is, and Brittany's going to share about that. Yeah, so our kind of um, unique part of, of Youth Alive is what's called the Oregon Youth Alive Ministry Academy, and that's also just really long, and so we call it Oyama. Um, it's just a lot shorter. Um, my phone auto, auto-corrects it to Obama all the time, but it's okay. <laughs> Siri has problems. It's fine. Um, but so Oyama is essentially a two-year uh, trade school for pastors. Our students might say that it's kind of like a boot camp, but that's just rude and not true. So um, it's we, true. It's true. It's, it's two years of uh, usually it's young adults, teenagers right out of um, high school. Maybe they're in college and they're saying, you know what? I feel like I'm called to ministry and I don't really know what to do with that and I don't know how to get there. And so they come to us and we, and we take them for two years and we do all kinds of practical leadership, discipleship, whatever training that we can give them. Um, And really, there's two reasons why we do this. Number one, we still really believe in the local church. We still believe that that God is using the local church in communities to reach people and to see people come to know him. And so um, there's a lot of churches, specifically AG churches within our state that have maybe one pastor, the senior pastor and their spouse are doing everything. And that is hard to reach the community efficiently. And so we want to give them people who are discipled, who are trained, who are quality, called to ministry, and they can come alongside them and say, hey, let me help you with your kids' ministry. Let me help you with your youth ministry. Um, We even have missionaries that have come through, um, worship leaders, whatever it might be, um, that they can go and then, you know, be, be a help to that church and that community. But the second reason is that we still believe that God is calling people to ministry. Um, you know, this isn't something that was just in the Bible or, you know, in the 80s or whatever. This is still today, that God still needs pastors. And so it's our job, what God has asked us to do, is to help those people um, fulfill that calling. And that's, it's vital. We love it. We, it. It gives us life. It gives us breath to be able to do that. So how does this work? I'll just give you a quick little rundown, maybe, of how Yama works. 
Um, the first thing that we have is education, and we do kind of feel like pastors should know what they're talking about a little bit, um, and so we send them to Northwest University, Oregon, where Pastor Kevin actually uh, teaches, and they take care of kind of the theology, Bible, textbook part of what we, um, what we want them to learn, and they do a really good job out there. It's kind of a smaller school, so there's a lot of one-on-one with professors. There's a lot of discipleship. There's, they have chapels. Um, prayer meetings, all the things, and, and our students love it. So we send them out there, and then when they're done with us, they'll have been at school for those whole two years getting enough classes that they can then be a credentialed pastor with the Assemblies of God, which is awesome. The second thing is, is life skills, and this is really what it sounds like. Um, we have a lot of students come to us, and they're like, I don't even know how to do a budget. I don't know how to schedule a calendar. I don't know how to talk on the phone because I only text. Um, I, you know, don't, I mean, I hate talking on the phone, so it's fine, um, but... They, you know, we even teach them how do you change a tire? Where do you go to get your oil change? You know, just things like that where you need to know to be a successful adult. Um, we kind of try and tackle some of those things as well. The third thing is coaching. And this is kind of maybe what sets us apart from just going to Bible college or maybe a different um, YWAM or something like that is we do coaching. And this is a weekly hour-long coaching with Damien, myself, or U.S. missionary Tom Bachman. And our students, we just talk to them for that hour, and we're like, guys, like, how is your God time? How is life? How is school going? Um, you know, we talk on everything from purity to relationships to finances, um, whatever it may be. We just want them, first and foremost, to be disciples of Jesus. Yeah. The pastor thing comes second. And so the coaching part is a huge part of that for us. Um, we really believe in that, and we really think that it's an important part of, of Oyama. And then the last thing, and not the least, is ministry opportunities. You know, they're coming to us saying, hey, I want to do ministry. But some of them maybe don't have experience in ministry. So we want to give them all the kinds of practical, hands-on training that we can. So the first one, we just throw them into a job shadow at a fairly large church here in Oregon, and they get to work with the youth kids and media, which are, which are huge pieces for them. Um, then they'll go and, and visit all kinds of churches. Sometimes you'll see them here. Um, there's a group of, you know, 18-year-olds walking around. You don't know, recognize them. They might be ours. Um, and they come and they hang out with our kids' ministry. They hang out on Sunday, and then they'll hang out with Trenton. And just to get an idea of different contexts, different size churches, different communities, kind of get ideas for themselves, see what's working, see what's not. And they love that part. They do that for several months. Um, then they do a, a medium sized church internship in the summer. And then what Damien referred to, what Alexis was doing here, was an entire year spent at one place. And this gives our interns uh, the, the opportunity to be involved in everything. You know, she's come to staff meetings. She's, you know, been in the office. She's gone on Dutch Bros runs for gift cards. Um, she stacked chairs. She's, you know, sent out uh, calendar reminders. She's been in the media in the back. She's been upstairs teaching kids class. So anything that she can do during that year, um, it's amazing the amount of growth that happens when they get this, that hands-on valuable training. So not only that, they get to go to every network event that, that goes on, the youth convention that's happening in a couple weeks. They'll do, run the cameras for. Um, they go to kids convention. They go to summer camps. I mean, we keep them busy. So I understand a little bit where they get a little bit sassy about the boot camp thing, but, um, but you know, we try and keep them busy. We just want to give them all that we can um, so that they can, they can go into a church and they can be prepared. So all of this happens. We also meet on Wednesdays. We do a full day of where we are teaching them. We read books together. We go over discussion questions. We talk about, you know, we, we go through video series. Whatever we can do to give them that practical leadership training, that happens on our Wednesdays. And so we coordinate kind of all of that as the directors. Yeah. 
So the cool thing is, and if you'll throw that next graphic up there, you'll see that this map of Oregon here, every one of those uh, dots right there is a community that represents at least one Oyama graduate is currently serving in ministry. At least one Oyama graduate. Yeah, it's awesome. At least one is serving in some type of capacity, youth ministry, kids ministry, worship, media. We even have a couple of lead pastors now. And so I see this graphic and I'm like, man, that's awesome. This is 14 years worth of work because Oyama has been going on much longer than the five years that we've been a part of it. But this is 14 years. We currently have 26 people in ministry serving in ministry capacities all over Oregon. We also have a couple that just recently moved down to Texas, but we're not going to talk about that betrayal because it's still, it's still a little fresh. Uh, you know, I love this. this. This is why we do this. You know, I love seeing, I love seeing this graphic, but I'm not going to lie, it's, it's a little bittersweet because I'm like, man, I wish there was more. I wish there was more. Uh, one of the things that we do is every year we have a ministry fair where a couple dozen lead pastors come and they interview our students to accept positions in their church and in their community. And I love that. It's awesome. It's always one of the things that we're most excited about because we're like, yeah, like get out, fly, you know, like go, go be, go do what God's called you to do. But then that means that there's usually about 20 pastors that walk away without anybody year after year. And, you know, we're excited that we get to be a part of what God's doing and sending out two, three, four at a time. But there's so much more. Church, the need is so great. Uh, we actually have a national crisis right now, a need for pastors. Uh, the Assemblies of God specifically is doing everything they can to really push this idea of we need people in leadership. We need people with the call of God on their lives that are willing to say, I will go wherever you call me to go. I will do whatever you call me to do. And that's, that's why we do this. That's why we do Oyama. You know, Youth Alive really exists to embody this, this idea. We try to teach this, this mantra, this motto, that we're all about uh, growing, going, and giving our lives away. We believe that if, if we could teach young people, be they, you know, kids, teenagers, young adults, even older people, to grow, to go, and to give their lives away, that's the mark of a disciple. That's the mark of a, of a leader right there. And again, that's, that's why we do what we do. We're passionate about seeing young people fulfill their call. We're passionate about seeing people make a difference in their community, in their church, in their home. And, and we, just want, we just want to see people live out their unique calling. That's, that's our role. That's why we do it. And so today, we're going to share with you a little bit about, about that and what, what Scripture says about this idea of calling and, and what it means to actually seek your calling and fulfill it. So Brittany's going to start us off here and kind of give a little bit of a rundown of what does it mean to, what does the word calling even mean? Yeah, so you see this word calling, and it's kind of been thrown around a lot in secular and, and non-secular contexts. It's kind of one of those buzzwords of, you know, what are you called to do? And, um, you know, I think it's important because in, in, in the biblical context, in the church context, the Bible is very specific about what calling means to a believer. And so as we go into today, I wanted to give you just a couple of definitions of the word um, according to the original language. So you can just kind of see where we're coming from, from our context. Um, the first Greek word when, you, when we say the word calling is the word kalau, and it means to be summoned or to be called out for. And the second one is the word kletos, and it means divinely appointed and selected. 
And so when we use that word, that's kind of where we're, that's the definition. That's the biblical basis that we're going to be building off of. Um, This idea, though, is seen all throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament and the New. Um, All the way back, the same idea, the same word is used when when God is talking to Adam and Eve. Um, Then when he's speaking to Moses and he he tells him, I need you to go save your people in, in Egypt. Even when he's calling King David as a shepherd boy, and then he becomes King David, and he, he talks to him, that's still that same idea. Um, he uses it when he's talking to prophets, when he's telling them, hey, there's kings and nations and enemy nations I need you to go talk to. Same idea. Um, and then all the way into the New Testament, when you see when, when Paul, um, you know, is often, God is saying, hey, I'm calling you to do this. Uh, when he, you know, he stops him and he blinds his eyes. He's still using that same word. So this is a concept that's all throughout Scripture that's talk, that God talks about a lot. Yeah, so, so kind of a, a starting point would be, you know, over the last couple of months, we've been talking about the, the I am statements of Jesus and about how what we think about Jesus really matters. You know, we need to know, like, what Jesus says about himself. You know, he's, he's the gate, he's the good shepherd, he's the bread of life, all these wonderful things. But we also need to know what Scripture says about us, who we are, because it is great to know all these things about our Savior, but what, I want to know, what does he say about me? Like, like yes, I want to know my Jesus, but I want to know what, is, what, are you, what am I supposed to be doing? And so I was thinking about this idea, and as we were preparing this message, I've been going, okay, what is like the most simple way that I could put this? And of course, I was trying to put it in my own language when then the Lord was like, hey, I already wrote a whole book about this, you know, and so I'm like, oh, okay, it's probably in scripture then. And and really what it comes down to is is you can find it in the book of Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And it's simply put, this this is who we are. We are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus anew, why? To fulfill the good works that he planned for us long ago. Think about that. We are masterpieces. That, that's what scripture says, PK. You're a masterpiece. No matter what anyone says, you're a masterpiece. No matter what Brittany says. I'm going to be out of a job here real soon, so if we can. We're masterpieces and we're created for a purpose and it's to fulfill the plans that God had for us long, long ago. So we have to talk about, okay, so what are those plans? He made me a masterpiece cool. What do I do with that? Yeah, so we, the Bible's very clear. We believe that there's two specific callings for the believer. And, and the first one, our primary, primary calling is, is something that goes way beyond our job title or what we do or what our vocation is or how we make money. Um, it, it goes way before that. And our primary calling is this. It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that doesn't have anything to do with my job title. That has nothing to do with a a master's degree or anything like that. That has to do with my relationship with Jesus. And first and foremost, this word calling is used when when Paul is talking about this um, in Philippians. And and if you'll turn there, it's Philippians 3, verse 7 through 14. And why does this calling matter to us? This calling matters because the Bible Bible tells us that we need to know Jesus, and we need to know him intimately. And this means that we can then know what he thinks about things, what he would do in certain situations, how he views people, how he feels, and how he, how he would act, how he would think. Those kind of things that we know, you know, we can know another human intimately. I can, I can kind of say, you know, oh, I think this is how Damien views things. This is how Damien feels about, you know, people. Because I know him, and I know him well. And we're called to do that same thing with Jesus. Philippians 3, it says, uh, it's, it kind of spells it out for us. Paul does a really good job. Uh, he says, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I want to know Christ and experience the power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. I do not mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You know, people always ask the question, our students ask us this question, people ask Google this question, what is the meaning of life? What is my purpose? What am I here for? And literally, guys, this is the answer. Our purpose in life, our primary calling, our number one reason for being here is and will always be to glorify God, to know him, and to love him. And that's it. That's the answer. And honestly, that's, that's what we want our students to understand. The, the number one thing that they could leave us knowing is, how do I know Jesus better? How do I love him fully? How, how do I live out a dynamic, two-way relationship? See, we don't, we don't want our students, no pastor, I don't want anybody to just have a surface-level relationship with the Lord. I, I don't want my students to leave us and just love the things about Jesus, right? Or be like, yeah, I love Jesus. I want them to be in love with Jesus. I want them to experience him. I want them to know him. I want them to experience a living, breathing, dynamic relationship with all the ups and downs that come with a relationship, right? Just like, just like in any relationship that matters, it takes work. It takes work. And that's something that we tell our students is we say, listen, Grace is free. Forgiveness is free. God's goodness, his, his, his amazing love, all of that is free. He offers it. But for us to actually walk in that and to know our God like that, that requires something of us. That requires effort. Just like it requires effort for me to get to know my wife better, for me to know Jesus more, that's going to take something. So that's one of the things that we're most passionate about is we want to teach our students how to have an abiding relationship with Jesus. And abide is this word that I use a lot, and our students are always, they're like, oh, he's using that word again. And so we're just going to talk about what it means to abide. The definition of abide, it means to remain, to stay planted, to make your home in a stable and fixed state. Or another way, complete immersion and dwelling in a place. Our desire is that our students would have that type of relationship with Jesus where it cannot be shaken. Jesus lives within them. They live with our Lord, that they, that they know him fully. And, you know, it kind of goes along with my, my life verse. Uh, my, my life passage can be found in Ephesians chapter 3. It's, it's this amazing passage where all of a sudden Paul's writing to the church and he just starts this prayer. And if, if you'll read it with me here in Ephesians 3 verse 16, uh, Paul writes, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. And then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. See, I love this passage because it says a couple of things there. We are called, our primary calling is to know the Father. We are called to know him. We're called to know him in multiple ways. We are called to know him, it says, to understand him. We are called to mentally understand our God, but we're also called to experience him. I want to experience the love of God. I want to experience all that he has to offer. See, there's two types of knows that are used there. And in fact, in the original language, the words for understand and, and experience are very close to the same word. 
because they're, they're kind of the same, but, but different sides of the same coin. So Brittany talked about how, you know, like we love sports. Yes, but she loves sports, right? Like those of you who know, you know, like she loves, loves sports. Like it is her true joy in life. And, and she loves, she loves the Portland Trailblazers and, and the most popular, the best player on the team is Damian Lillard. She knows everything about Damian Lillard. It's kind of creepy. No, not really. But like she, she knows, she knows his stats. She knows his history. She knows all about his college years, you know, his career. She knows things about his childhood. She knows like random facts about who he is and his personality and his personal life and just all this stuff. She knows about Damian Lillard. But Brittany, do you know Damian Lillard personally? <laughs> Imagine if you did. Imagine if you actually like knew him, right? Like it's, it's a completely separate thing because she could know all about Damian Lillard, but she's not in a relationship with him. She doesn't have that friendship. She doesn't know what he's like when no one's around. She doesn't know what he's like just like on his own. She doesn't have that type of experiential relationship with him. This scripture, what the, what the Lord is telling us is our primary goal in life, our primary calling is, has nothing to do with what we do. It has to do with who we are. It has to do that we understand, like, I was made to know my God and to know him and to know him and to experience him and to understand him and, and to figure him out. And that's my life's goal. I'm never going to get there because he's, he's a pretty big God, right? He's, he's above my ways. But that is my life's mission. I want to know Jesus. And we want our students to know him too. So, so our students will say, well, that's awesome. I agree with you, but how do we do that? You know, and Damien uses his word abide every Wednesday. They're like, well, how? How do I get there? And, and we tell them that there's basically three things that we kind of coach them in. And, and number one is you, you kind of have to figure out how you, um, what, what, how you have deep time with Jesus. And, you know, like, for example, Julie Pilgrim tells me that she gets up at like 4.30 in the morning and has Bible time. And I'm like, if y'all know me and you knew if I got up at 4.30 in the morning to have Jesus time... Like, this would be a problem because I would be asleep. I would not be coherent. Like, nothing would make I'm. I don't even know how you do it. Like, it's, but for me, midnight is my best time to have Bible time. And Julie would be long asleep for like six hours. So it's like, it wouldn't work. But neither is right or wrong. Like, morning's not better than nighttime. It's whenever you have your best time with God. Because we tell our students, it's not about quantity. We're not asking you to spend seven hours with your Bible open. We're asking you to have quality time with Jesus. That's right. A time where you can, you can give him your best and you can say, hey, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to study. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read. Whatever that might be. And so you have to figure out what that is for you. You also have to figure out what, how you best connect with Jesus. You know, for me, I love music. During my Bible time, I often have worship music on. Helps me connect with Jesus. Damien doesn't like music. And if I had known this while we were dating, it may have changed things, but it's fine. And <laughs> he doesn't like music, so he doesn't have music on during his Bible time. And that's fine. He, there's not a right or wrong, maybe. And he... <laughs> He, but he is, like, if he listens to a podcast or he listens to a sermon, that's a way that he connects with God. And so you have to find that out about yourself. One of the ways that we, both, that we both can connect with Jesus is at the beach. You know, you go and you stand there, and I'm, like, looking out over this water, and it's, like, never-ending. And there's so much sand, and there's, like, these sights and smells and sounds. And we both can stand there and be like, man, there is a creator, and he is amazing. And so you have to find out, you know, what, for you, what does that look like? Is there things in nature? Is it praying out loud? Is it praying silently? Is it having Bible time at night or in the morning? Um, you know, fasting, things like that. All those disciplines that we teach our students, you know, the, the, the cliche things that you hear about in church. But these, they're cliche for a reason right. because they're important. You know, find a translation that works
works for you. If you like the NLT, read the NLT. If you prefer the ESV, read the ESV. You know, it's it, whatever works for you, Jesus doesn't mind. You're spending time with him, right? It doesn't, he doesn't care. Um, you know, fasting, that should be something that we do not just in January church-wide, but it should be a practice that we do throughout the year. Right. Um, all of these things, how you best connect with him, how your quality time, do it. That's all he cares about is that you do it. Um, and then the third thing that we tell our students is that who you surround yourself with is important. Because yeah. if you don't have people in your life who can encourage you, support you, and challenge you, and bring you closer to Jesus, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to get there. So really, these are all different things that you can do to kind of practice abiding with Christ and making that primary calling of, of glorifying God, enjoying him forever, keeping that the top priority. But real quick, we want to talk about the secondary calling, because we do believe that everyone has at least two callings that we can find in Scripture. And the second one can be simply put as we are called to go and make disciples. Just straight up, every single person in this room is called to make disciples, not just pastors, not just missionaries, not just dependent on what your job is. Every person is called to go and make disciples. And obviously, this can be found in the Great Commission, very famous passage of Scripture. Jesus said this to his, to his followers as he's about to uh, head back up to heaven at the very end, and he kind of leaves them with this, with this mission. Uh, in Matthew 28, 18, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, I used to hate this scripture. Like, I, I, I was that, like, when I first got saved, whenever a missionary would come or a pastor would preach on the Great Commission, I was like, oh, no. Because I, I'd feel convicted, right? And it wasn't even conviction, because it wasn't from God, it was condemnation. I put it on myself. I thought, like, man, that means that I need to go. That means that every day I need to have a plan. I need to get up on my school like, lunch table and be preaching the gospel. That means that if I don't sell everything I have and move out to Africa, no, <laughs> move to Africa and preach the gospel on the street corner, you know, then that, that means I'm not a good Christian. But that's, that's complicating it way too far. You see, this idea of go, again, we don't have a perfect translation for the original language there. And what Jesus was saying, the closest thing we have is go, but really with that word there, what it means, what it kind of is a better understanding is as you are moving about. It literally, if you were to look at the original language, and Jesus' hearers would understand this, he was saying as you're living your day-to-day -day life, as you're moving, as you're going, because if you're not moving, you're, you're dead. Uh, you know, if, if you're not moving, if you're not living, or if you're, if you're not moving, then you're dying. And he's saying as you move, make disciples. See, that changes it. Because that means that in my day-to-day -day life, no matter what I'm doing, no matter where I go, no matter who I'm around, I still have this mission. I am called to make disciples. The question is, have you ever taken the time to ask, what does this mean for you right now? Because I think that most of us know that. Most of us understand, you know, like, yeah, I'm called to make disciples. But I'm, honestly, have you ever really taken the time and said, Jesus, what does that mean for me today? Not, not someday, not tomorrow, not when I was younger and not when I'm older, not when I reach a certain position, but what does that mean for me today? What does it mean for me given my current season of life, my current finances, my current health, the energy that I have or don't have, the, the influence that I have or don't have? How do you want me to go? How do you want me to make disciples today? Yeah, so we teach our students, you know, every person really has what we tell them is a personal responsibility to live out both of these callings. Um, you know, it, it is their job to find out what am I, what am I supposed to be doing and, and how am I going to do it? And, you know, because the people that, that he's called 
each one of you and each one of us to, to influence is going to be different than everybody else's. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like we have this disc golf bag up here, and it's kind of dirty, so just excuse it. But uh, we, we, you know, we said at the beginning that we like disc golf and that we've recently got Trenton into disc golf. Um, and when we were talking to Trenton, and he's like, what discs do I buy? And, like, how do you know what to get? And we were telling him, like, listen, there are a million different discs. There are, you know, drivers there are mid-ranges, there are putters, there's different plastics, there's different weights, there's different colors. They all have a different name. Um, and if you don't know anything about disc golf, it's similar to ball golf, and it's where, you know, you're, you're trying to get into, in this case, a basket instead of a hole in the ground, and you're trying to do it in the least strokes possible. Um, and, and so all of these different discs, they're all designed very differently. Um, they're, they're all unique. They all have different paths. There's some of them that'll go straight and then curve left, and there's some of them that will go straight and then curve right. There's some of them that are much slower. There's some of them that you have to just, like, throw really fast, and only Trenton and Zach can do that, I feel like, because it just doesn't work for me. But, um, you know, there's all these different things that you can do with these discs, and at the end of the day, every single disc is still designed to do the exact same thing, just in a different way. And, and for us, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we are all designed differently. We are all made differently with, with different, you know, paths and, and, and different plastics and, and, and different, you know, weights and all of that. And, and God's saying, but my, the goal remains the same. The goal of our lives is, number one, to love Jesus, to know him better. And number two, take as many people with us as we can. And so when, when our students come into us and it's, the, it's a fresh year and we're getting to know all these first-year students and, and we look at them, we're like, man, let's find out what your strengths and weakness are, weaknesses are. Let's find out what you're passionate about. Let's find out how you're designed so that you can do what you're supposed to do and, and, and reach the goal of this basket. Yeah, so one of the things that we do, you know, with the secondary calling is we want to help people figure that out. So when we go and we speak at different youth groups or sometimes we'll speak to, to student leaders or youth staff members or anything like that, we'll kind of have them take inventory of a couple of different questions to figure out, well, what is my secondary calling? If it is to make disciples, how am I supposed to do that? And I submit to you, church, that I truly believe that your secondary calling is the place where your passions, your gifts, and your frustrations meet. Your passions, your gifts, and your frustrations. And one of the things that we do is we, we really break that down and we ask people, all right, let's think about our passions. And we actually have a slide up here that's going to say, you know, ask yourself some of these questions. Take inventory. When it comes to passions, what do you love to do? And, and not just like, a, oh, yeah, I like that. But what are those things that you're like, man, I'm passionate about that. Like, it gives me life. You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's some things that you do and you're like, if I didn't do that, I might die. You know, like there's certain things that you just, you love in life. They give you life. And so you're like, oh, that's a passion that I have. Another question you may ask is what's something that you would do for free? The rest of your life, if you didn't have a job title or you weren't getting a paycheck, what would you do for free for the rest of your life? For Brittany and I, it is doing what we're doing. It's teaching, it's training in young people. Like that's our passion. If we never made a dollar from it, if we weren't called missionaries or, or whatever, like who cares? That's, that's birthed in us. That is part of who we are. That's our passion. So we, we, do, we do this whole exercise to help people figure out, well, what are my passions? Nextly, what, what are our gifts? And, and that one's kind of easy because you can go, well, what am I good at? Right? And some of those things are kind of easy to figure out. Like, well, I'm good at you know, math. I'm good at uh, sports. Or I'm good at this or that. Like some really tangible things. Some of us have to get a little more creative and go like, well, what am I good at? Uh, maybe you're a good listener. Maybe you're a problem solver. Maybe you have administrative skills. What gifts do you have? And not only that, what are you already doing? Because sometimes that, that'll point out what your gifts are is just what are the things that you just naturally tend to do, 
right? Like, so I think about how uh, Jaden Anderson, a few months ago, he made, we made that video of him and he was, you know, putting the Legos together to make the church building. For him, that wasn't like a struggle because he already plays with Legos. Like, that's something he's already good at. It's something that he enjoys doing. So why not use that for ministry like we did? So a way that he could make disciples, Legos. Why not? Right? So figuring out our passions, our gifts, and lastly, our frustrations. And when I talk about frustrations, you have to ask the question, well, what angers you? And when I talk about, like, what angers you, I'm saying, what angers you, like, to the, to the depths, to the core of who you are, the things that break your heart? Not just like a, oh, that's annoying, but, like, it, it, it kills you inside. And when you think about, well, what are those deep frustrations, you also have to ask, where do you see gaps? Where do you see gaps, needs that aren't being met? causes that you're like, why is no one doing anything about this? And it's not in a judgmental way. It's in a, my heart is breaking. What am I going to do about that? You know, I look at a young lady that I know named Lauren, and 10 years ago, uh, she was just starting to learn about how young boys and young girls all around the world would be sold into, into, into slavery and become part of the sex trade. And I remember it broke her heart, and she started talking to the, her pastors and started looking around town and, and looking things up online and being like, what is there? What, what causes are there? What, what, uh, what, what things can I give money to to help combat this? And at that time, 10 years ago, there wasn't as much. And, and it broke her. She saw this gap. And so over the last 10 years, she actually started a nonprofit to help raise awareness of it and to raise money. And it's not because of anything special. It's just because she saw something that broke her heart. And she was like, no, I'm going to meet that need because no one else is doing it. I'm going to do it. We truly believe that our secondary purpose is found in this place where our unique passions, our different gifts, and those deep frustrations meet. Church, if you want to know, like, how do I do that? How do I make disciples? I don't know but I bet you do. And I know God does. What if we took the time to actually seek God about these things? What if we took inventory and asked these questions about ourselves and we said, God, how do you want to use me? I know what I'm supposed to do. What do I need to do to make that happen? You see, in disc golf, there's tons of different ways to get in the basket. And every time I select a disc, I am divinely appointing this disc and I'm saying, disc, you better do what I've called you to do. Because it has a purpose, and the purpose of this disc is to get into the basket. The Lord has divinely selected each one of us for something. To know him, to glorify him, enjoy him forever, and to point people to Jesus. That's why you're here. That's why we do Oyama. You know, we, we talk often to our students, and, and they, they tend to be young people and, and people going into ministry. But I want you to know that, that this is not something that we feel like is only for them. That's right. This is not something that is just for people called into ministry, for pastors, for missionaries. This isn't something that's just for young people. This isn't something that's just for men or, or, you know, or just one group of people. This is for literally every single person that calls themselves a believer of Jesus. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your financial status. It doesn't matter what your calling is. The fact of the matter is that we have these two callings, to love God, to know him, and to point people to him to bring as many people with, with us as we can. And, you know, again, going back to the definition of calling, he has summoned us. He has called us out. He has appointed each one of us. And so, you know, what Damien and I do with Youth Alive, what we do with Oyama, that's one area. That's one calling only. You know, what, what PK does on Sundays and, and in the office, and, you know, that's, that's one path. That's one thing he can do. You know, people working in the school district, Rachel and, and, and Barry, you know, that's one path. Whatever it is that God has you to do, it's important. 
and it matters. And every single believer of Jesus, every single person that, that, that he has made and that he has created has a purpose and has a reason. And, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter. It's not just missionaries. It's not just pastors. And I feel like sometimes in the church, we kind of get this idea of there's like this, this higher, better calling that, that somehow, you know, missionaries and stuff, somehow they're better. And yes, they need to be respected and valued because what they're doing is not something that all of us want to do, right? But every single person matters. Every single person's call is important. So we want to leave you guys with this. We want to leave you with some practical steps to take. Uh, How can you start to fulfill your calling today? Uh, First off, make it a practice to abide in Christ. More than anything, if you don't get anything out of this message, remember abiding in Christ. That's the number one goal. Make it a practice. Some of you may be like, I'm terrible at this. Like maybe you're not great at reading your scripture. Maybe you're not good at taking time out of your day to hear from God. Okay, let's practice. Tomorrow, let's just take baby steps and be a little better. And then the next day, a little better. Let's put those steps in place to practice abiding in our Lord and knowing him multiple ways. Uh, Secondly, take inventory to really discover what are your unique passions, gifts, and, and frustrations. What are you called to do? We all know we're called to make disciples, but that's not supposed to bring condemnation. That should be, that should be exciting. That should be a challenge. It breaks my heart on the one hand, but then on the other hand, I'm like, you mean I get to operate in who I am for God's kingdom? Man, the freedom in that. I don't have to be anything other than who God's made me to be. It's figuring out who has God made me to be, and then how do I operate in that? And lastly, take action now. Man, don't make this something you start tomorrow. Young people, don't make this something that you go, well, when I graduate high school, when I get to a certain spot in my life, when I have enough time, when I have enough money. No, that's nonsense. Start doing it now. Start now. Start serving the church now. Start in whatever capacity that you live your life, whatever you do on, on Sundays after church, start making disciples now. Start talking to people about Jesus. Start, start looking for ways that you can know him more now. Always be moving forward. Always be trying new things. Always be getting to know our Jesus better. That's what Youth Alive is about. PK, I just want to say thank you again for the opportunity to be here. It's an honor to speak to our home church. We get to speak a lot of places. Thank you for giving us the chance to speak to you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You know what I love about this is we've heard some passion. What I hear predominantly is I hear a passion for and love for the church. How many here? Not, not just Relevant Life Church, but the Church of Jesus Christ, right? And I love that. One thing I want to do, I, because they're humble and all of that sort of stuff, I want to brag on Oyama at this moment. I want you to understand the impact that Oyama is actually having in the state of Oregon. Uh, as Damien said, there are 26-ish people at this point. How, how many students do you have this year? Seven students this year that are, gonna, that are going through this program. Uh, Oyama has put into ministry in the state of Oregon some very high-quality leaders. Damien is a product of Oyama. As we look across the state of Oregon, there are several that are key leaders in our state that have come out of this, out of this program. Uh, this really is, what it's, 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 it's exciting, but it's sad to say this is one of Oregon's major pipelines to ministry. So today, what we wanted to do is we wanted to highlight this pipeline. Uh, We are 
in God's, God's church is in desperate need of people to serve, people that are called into ministry. I love I loved the, loved the, the passion today, uh, that, and, and, and we all are called. It is so important. So the threefold project, the threefold process that we heard this morning is the importance of calling. And I want to add a little bit to that. They didn't make this shameless plug, but I'm going to make it for them. If you are here and you are a young adult and you're going, I feel this curiosity about ministry, this tinge of ministry, would you make it take an opportunity to talk to the pastoral staff, of course, but would you take an opportunity to talk to Brittany and Damien? Uh, I, they, they are amazing young leaders, and they will help direct you and help funnel you. Maybe you're here and you're a parent, and you're going, my kid needs to be involved in this. Maybe you're a grandparent, and you're going, my grandkid needs to be involved in this. Can I tell you, there are a resource that we want to take advantage of. Second, second part here is this. Uh, they're here because they're missionaries. Uh, not just missionaries that we're sending to a foreign country, but missionaries that we're sending to a very needed area in the state of Oregon. And we're asking that you will help support them, that they can continue on in their ministry. Brittany, we have a, a pity case because we have hired her at our church. Just kidding. No, Brittany and I go back and forth, but these two are like my own kids. I love them. I adore them. We would not have made it through uh, 2000, uh, w- through the pandemic without the skills of Brittany Dunn. Seriously, she has been, she has been on the edge with all those things. But with an addition to that, we get Damien. And he's, he's around, and we love him. We, this is a great thing. Today also, uh, and I don't do this, if you've been present in our church for missions at all, uh, today, I feel a word that I need to give to Brittany and Damien. God gave me a scripture this morning, and I just want to read it to you. And in the context of what it is, it sounds like it's more of a negative verse because it's actually talking about Pharaoh. And how many know who Pharaoh was? Pharaoh was not a positive leader. But can I tell you that God doesn't just focus on the negative. He can focus on the positive. And I think the scripture applies to you this morning. Romans chapter 9 verses 16 and 17. It does not, it, it does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, and I want to say for scripture says to Brittany and Damien, not in the same context of the negativity of Pharaoh, but I want you to hear this. I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You know, I hear a commonality in this story, if you remember that they met on a missions trip. There was one direction of missions. Both of them had a heart for missions, but can I tell you, the destination necessarily wasn't spelled out, but they're in missions right now. That heart that came together, and I think of this thing that I go back to this verse of Scripture, and it kept playing in my spirit this morning that I have raised you up. I've raised you up. Whatever your situations and your circumstances, regardless of your past and your history, that I might display my power in you. I want to tell you today that I've seen God's power in your life, and I I get an insight view of their students because I get to teach at Northwest University, and they come through my classes And I get to see the quality of young people that they're discipling. I get to see their influence and their impact. And so today, I'm not making a a shameless plug at all. I'm going to be just really bold and say, hey, we want to support these missionaries. At this point, we support them at Relevant Life Church. Some of you individually do. We want to increase that. We also don't want to just 
do a monthly support, we want to take an offering today to bless them. How many appreciate it today? Come on, would you give them a round of applause? Now I'm manipulating. It's really simple to do this. It's a little bit more difficult to do this. So I want to challenge you to go one step further to this. There's offering envelopes in the chairs. And if you want to give today and you want to prop it in the green box, otherwise if you want to go online and give to what we, the keyword done, we want, to, we, we, want, we want to bless them today with an offering, but we also want to raise income for them monthly. So if you're not supporting them today, would you go on? Would you make a note even on on a, on a uh, offering envelope and drop it in the green box so that we can keep track of who that is and who's going to give and what that how um, what that amount is going to be? And we're going to start to allot that towards them. Uh, but we want to challenge you. Let's go one step further than this. Let's go one step further than a hug around the shoulder and I believe in you. Let's actually put our money where our mouth is and go, no, I believe in you. I believe in you. I want to support you. I want to encourage you. And I can tell you this, they're amazing, amazing people. We're honored to have them in our church. We're honored to have them in the state of Oregon. So today, would you extend your hand towards them? We want to pray for them, pray over them. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these two dynamic leaders. God, I thank you for Brittany and Damien. God, I thank you for these two young dynamic leaders that God, for such a time as this, you have called, that you have led them, that you have infused them with power and boldness and calling and gifting. God, I thank you for their passion for the church, but God, I thank you for their passion to raise up ministers to, to minister in the church. God, I thank you that you're they are your vessels. And God, today I pray for strength. I pray for divine creativity. Come on, church. Would you pray over their lives? God, I pray for, for ideas and, and newness. God, in a culture that is clamoring for the attention of our 900,000 students in the state of Oregon, God, would, you, would your voice be louder than culture? God, would you call people into ministry? God, would you call these young, young teenagers, God, into service full-time for you? God, I pray that you would just give blessing, God, to this ministry. God, would you pour out strength upon this ministry? Grant, grant them favor in this ministry, I pray. And God, today as we give, I pray that you would just bless the generosity. God, bless the generosity of each person that so willingly gives to this ministry. God, we thank you today for your favor. We thank you for your presence. God, we thank you that we can gather together today. I pray now your blessing upon each and every person. God, would you just be glorified in our lives? God, help us to abide. Help us to fulfill our calling. Help us to step into what you've called and destined each of us to fulfill. And God, we thank you for today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We want to thank you online for attending. Come next week, be in person. Thanks for coming today. If you have prayer needs, our prayer team is coming around the front. We believe in laying on our hands. We believe in anointing with oil. Why? Because we believe that our God still does wonderful things. He does still do miracles. And if you need a miracle today, we're believing for that miracle. Amen. So God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.